welcome back to Tiny Green Chats. I'm your host, Kate DeLeon, and I'm here with my co-host, Jazz Jackson. Today, we are joined by a very special guest, Ms. Daphne Altema-Johnson. Ms. Altema-Johnson completed her BA in Nutrition and Fitness at Florida State University, followed by an MPH in Health Policy at George Washington University. After working in academia and public service for 15 years, Ms. Altema-Johnson changed career directions to focus on solutions to diet-related illnesses among vulnerable and low-income populations. She obtained a second bachelor's degree in dietetics from the University of Northern Colorado before going to work at the Food Communities and Public Health Program at the Johns Hopkins Center for a Livable Future. So Daphne, if you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself and like your experiences and what you do. Of course. Um, I am Daphne Altema. And I am a program officer at the John Hopkins Center for a Livable Future, which is um, within the School of um, Public Health. Um, and I've been with the center now for over a year and a half. Um, I started in July of 2019. And within the capacity, actually, right before that, I just I completed my dietetic internship, a year-long dietetic internship, which was awesome. And... Um, so at this center myself, what I do, I really provide support to the Meatless Monday campaign, and I work on a lot of diet, nutrition, and sustainability issues. Um, before the center, I was a program evaluator as well as a senior epidemiologist at um, the Maryland Department of Health. And I did, I was, um, let's see, I was in that role for about nine years, almost nine years, and during that, I was under uh, a CDC grant um, on the chronic disease, with look, which looks at the impact to build capacity um, and oral health on the chronic disease. So I did that for a good little bit, and then, um, but I have like I have one of those things when you look at public health. My experience, I'm like, I like to call myself this public health journalist because I have a little bit of experience in everything. Um, after my MPH from GW, I worked. Um, again, with the Maryland State Health Department as an epidemiologist working in immunization, right, infectious disease. And I left and I started working with um, University of Maryland doing global health work as it relates to HIV AIDS. And I did that. It was really awesome because it allowed me to go to Africa to just do some work, some education. So I really, really, really enjoyed that. While I was there, actually, I started working my MBA at University of Maryland and I transitioned. I couldn't travel as much internationally. So I transitioned to working with uh, cancer, where I was doing, again, cancer research. And that was fun because I really get to go out, out doing um, education with community health workers in Baltimore City. So which was really, really good because I realized probably at that point, I thrive with that um, having that interaction with people really was awesome. And Part of the reason why eventually when I was uh, working as a senior epidemiologist before I decided to go back to school again, um, at that point it was probably 2015, um, I decided in doing some outreach work at that point um, with the Department of Chronic Disease, I realized a lot of people that were doing the education for some of our population um, well, it didn't look like them. And there wasn't really a lot of relatability um, that was going on. It was really difficult. So I decided, you know what, while I was in school, while I was working, um, I went back to school to get my dietetics degree. And then after that, you know, here I am here. And um, so it's been a really 
I will say a, a really great experience. I am um, a child of Haitian um, immigrants. And so I truly believe you are what you eat. You know, I believe in generational um, change. So you teach your kids, you kind of raise them up. You teach them, you know, things about the environment, the climate and how to eat. And hopefully that they can teach their kids to do the same. So that's kind of my goal is to kind of help with like raising this next generation of um, we have coming up to be a little bit mindful about the environment and what we put in our bodies. So that's actually very timely with COVID coming in. Uh, I remember when I was picking programs, um, looking at global health and epidemiology as well. Um, I did take the engineering route, but I think that it's very timely. And uh, with the Center for um, the Center for a Livable Future, which I really like the name. It's a very, like uh, I would say, very thoughtful name. Yeah. Um, can you tell us more about that? Their mission. Yes, of course. The Jen Hopkins Center um, for a Little Bit Future, as I said, is under um, actually the Department of Engineering within the School of Public Health, um, Environmental Engineering um, within the, the School of Public Health. And their mission is really to work with students, educators, researchers, policymakers, just other advocacy organizations as well, and communities to build. The whole idea is to build a healthier, more equitable, and resilient food system, which is honestly what attracted me to the organization, because I think that piece, when we think about nutrition and the food system, we think about the outcome, which is usually, you know, the nutrition aspect, right? But we don't think about what comes before it. How is your food produced? You know, who is involved in that, you know, um, in, in that process? We don't look at the whole food system. And that's what CLF does. It looks at the whole food system and it, and, and it works with just a whole body of people, of individuals and professionals. And that real, that's really what attracted me to the organization in the first place. That is nice. I think that has a lot of different undertones. When I think of food system, I think of access to food, food mm -hmm. deserts. I think of uh, kind of some, some, some injustices depending on what neighborhood you're living in. And so yeah. you could kind of educate our listeners um, mm -hmm. and elaborating on the intersection between sustainability, because you mentioned environmental engineering. And so I would like to know more about how that ties into sustainability and healthy living as well as public health. Yeah, so the, the choices that we make, we all have choices, right? Um, and the choices that are available to us are different based on our circumstances, right? But what we do know is that what we put in, in our body affects our health, you know, our mental health, um, physical health, you know, um, our journey is just, and also what the choices that we make too does have an, an impact on planetary health, the environment, period. Um, and what we know right now is that if the demand continue, which is for animal-based product at the rate that is going right now in processed food, and the population is continuing to grow, we are not going to be able to sufficiently feed our growing population. And some of the issues for that is because, at least in the US, we eat a lot of animal-based products. Um, and those products have an effect on the environment, right? Based on how they produce the animal-based products they do. And so, and that actually inherently affects our global food system period, right? 
Um, and how does it do that? You're talking about greenhouse gas emissions, right? For animal-based production, soil erosion, decreased biodiversity, because our mind and what we eat is very narrow, right? Our diet is very narrow. We don't really think about all the different things that are um, produced, you know, uh, internationally, globally, really, um, and within the U.S. And if so, if every if with the effects of climate change, right? I mean, we do see what just happened in California. I mean, not California, in um, Texas. Right, what just happened in Texas? I mean, you know, for me, the first thing I thought about, I said, okay, you have not only do I you have power outage, um, outage, so that's going to cause some food waste, right? That's add to that, and then the people that probably are losing some of the food, they probably didn't have much to begin with, and then the water issue became an issue where you had to boil water, and you know, so you don't think you'll see something like that in the U.S. of A. Um, and I think I heard, you know, some some colleagues, you know, you think you were living in a third world country, but and then you look at California and all those fires, you know, right? California is getting warmer, um, but California has a, produced a great amount of fruits and vegetables. So all of these environmental conditions are affecting our food system, right? Um, and not in a very positive light, um, you know. If you if you ask me, it's not and. And, and not only, it's just not, And but the diet that we choose to consume globally, um, we know with the current food system, it contributes to obesity and obesity is a risk factor for many other, right? Um, community, uh, like chronic diseases. And you have, it affects, not only does it affect obesity, it uh, under nutrition, we're just not getting enough of what we need, right? And then the other complexity is that you end up having micronutrient deficiencies. And so we have to do something about our food system, you know, and that something has to not only, we have to figure out a way to feed the population in a way that is helpful, like providing a helpful diet, like that's good for your health, but also that protects the environment. And the solution for that is honestly to consume a diet that is more plant-based, right? Um, does plant-based, sometimes we hear plant-based, we think, oh, don't eat meat. No. Um, and I will, as a you know dietitian, I will never say not to eat meat. The reason for that is because I know there are some communities that they don't have a lot of option and that may be one of the other uh, only option that they have to get protein, you know, that may not have other source of, um, you know, like plant-based protein to get, or they may not be able to afford it. So we, when we think about sustainable diets, we have to think about that affordability, you know, affordability um, piece. But again, we have to, as a country and globally, we have to move to a diet that is more plant-based. And not only is it good for our health, I mean, I'll be honest with you, with our work with Meatless Monday, that I do, you know, which is like, you know, you skip meat, you know, one day a week, skip meat. Um, I like it because it doesn't tell you to not eat meat at all, right? Um, it's small change, right? And, and what we do when we use, when we supplement the data, we know eating a plant-based diet that is focused on um, fruits and vegetables, um, whole grains, nuts and legumes. It's good not for your cardiovascular health. It's good for type, like it decreases your risk of um, type two diabetes. Um, and also all cause mortality, right? It's just good for you. And it's good for your gut, right? When you think about legumes and, and, and um, some of those like fiber-based strong fibers. So I think what we need to do is look at programs like Meatless Monday or look at ways 
that we can decrease our animal-based product consumption and add more of the good yummy foods to our plate. Um, and part of that thing too, you know, people make a lot of decision. Our decision is, you know, the drivers too of what we, the choices that we make is taste. Does it taste good? Does it look good? And we have this thing in our mind, sometimes plant-based food, they don't look good. I mean, it's the honest truth, right? Because it's not prepared, because it's not prepared in a way that is like, you know, that is fun, that is loving. You got to put it in, just like you put love and other things cooking your meat, you got to put a whole lot of love and, you know, your plant-based cooking as well. And so I think we kind of need to change that. And so we can um, really contribute to doing something about what's happening right now to the environment. And the food system right now, it's not good. So when I think about sustainability, I think about, you know, that part of it. Like, how do we eat sustainably, right? Where it protects the environment currently so our, the future generation can have enough as well, right? And so that's what I think I'll, I'll leave you with a um, definition that I did um, pull up for you guys. And it actually from, um, the F, FAO's definition of sustainable diets. And it says sustainable diets are those with low environmental impacts that contribute to food and nutrition security and to healthy life for present and future generations. And so when you think about sustainable diets, they have to be protective and respectful of biodiversity and ecosystems, culturally acceptable, accessible, economically fair and affordable, nutritionally adequate, safe and healthy, right? And so when I think about some of the things you mentioned, Jasmine, you said about, you know, food deserts, and I'm thinking about, well, you know, there, there you go, right? So we, that's not something. So sustainable diets need to take all those things into consideration. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, um, that's my spiel on that. That's the intersection when you think about healthy, you know, public health and sustainability. And I'm assuming you mean about um, foods because that's what, you know, we work in with the Center uh, for a Living with Future. We work, um, you know, we work within the space of the food system space, but that's really what I think about. That's where it intersects. It's like, you know, how can I eat in a way that's good for me? You know, increase lifespan or, you know, it may not, um, but that I know that I'm protecting the environment as well. And that's how it comes in. You are right on point. Um, <laughs> everything you said was amazing because it. I was gonna segue into Meatless Mondays and talk about how that, Oh, what that picture looks like for the greater good um, or the bigger picture for Baltimore. And you just went right into it. I went right into it. I helped you. You did. You, did. you know what this is about. This is a tiny chat. And I like how you just get to the point. And yes, so, yes ma'am. And so because you had already mentioned Meatless Mondays and what that really means to a diet, you can um, you know, tell us about another project that you are particularly proud of within the center or something outside of the center. You know... This is not actually a project itself. It's something that we do, I do. And it goes in tie, tie into, um, you know, my response to the previous question is that at this center, we have the unique opportunity of receiving interns. And every year we get dietetic interns that choose, like they choose a week, you can do a week of your rotation. They do it with us. And that's probably have been so much so rewarding for me um, the first six months, I think I was just getting my feet wet, um, maybe six months to a year with it. But as I see this group of people coming in, this group of students, you know, this is the new generation. And usually when you, I, I went to the dietetic programs, granted I was older, but 
I went when I went to the dietetic program, the, my program, one thing I think that was lacking was the whole sustainability piece. Like, what does that look like? Um, and, you know, you don't look at the whole food system as well. Like did that, you know, the when I went to school, at least again, for me, that was not my experience. So when they when the students come to the center, it's such a unique opportunity for them, for us to show them how it, it's all connected. But for me, especially what I try to do with those students is that there is a population too. Sometimes in your mind, you go there to become a dietitian. You awesome. You're gonna, you know, go to work. You know, in kidney, and uh, you know, in dialysis centers. You're gonna work at the hospitals. You're gonna work. You know, you think you're just gonna deal with. Oh, I'm overweight. I need to lose weight. Or I have diabetes. I need to figure that out. Or you know, you're gonna think there is this thought you're gonna deal with people that have means, right? That have that can do for themselves. And that's not the case. And for me, it's very important for you as a dietitian to go out there to be able to provide counseling to anybody. And that person may not have, may not look like you, may not have the, the needs that you do, the access that you do. We don't think about that. And so I, I want them to learn when, 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 I, when we do, so I do the schedule for them. And a big part of it for me the, is a cultural piece, right? Because you can't go and uh, you know, in a majority Asian population, and just pre pre you know, presenting them the typical American diet, that's not culturally appropriate, right? Exactly. And that's 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 and sometimes I have to tell them, think, okay, well, how do you, how would you assess that? And 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 for me, I'm like, okay, when you think about cultural, I'm not only talking about race, but I'm thinking about who's cooking the food, you know, who makes the decision in the household. All those, all culture, all those affect choices in how we. Um, move within that food space. So for me, that's one of those things that I'm really proud of because I get a, you know, a, a week to just kind of help them think a little different. Because when you're doing that, you know, uh, the luxury of being able to hire a dietitian is that they can create an individualized approach for you, right? For that person, if you're able to do it. But a lot of time, they're not taught really how to be culturally relevant or just think about you know, oh, you need to eat more fruits and vegetables. Go get those zucchini, go get this eggplant. Well, it may not be affordable for them or they may not know how to prepare it. So you got to really look at, well, what type of food do they eat and what did they grow up on? And, you know, so it's, it's different. So that's something I'm really proud of that I do at the center that I get to be a part of. It's just providing me a unique opportunity to make, just put a little small imprint um, into them before they go out there in the world and be their like amazing fabulous self. Yeah, I need to come see you. Um, <laughs> I need to come make an appointment. <laughs> hey, I'm all for it. Okay. Um, and so we're going to close out with the last question for our listeners and just um, want to see what is one takeaway that you want them to, um, or what is one message that you want them to leave with um, that res did you think would resonate with them? Oh, man. Want them think, to resonate with? Yeah, I think, you know, with, COVID, life can be overwhelming. And sometimes when the troubles of the world is presented to us, we don't know, it's so big, we don't know where to start. Well, we think one person, I just, I can't, I mean, what can I do? And I always say, you know, it, as it relates to nutrition and this whole climate, um, 
sustainability and environmental, you, you'll be surprised that how small changes, for example, like a meatless Monday, right? Um, skipping meat one day a week, how over time, how much of an impact that can have, right? So you may do that in your household, like they notice like, well, you're not eating, well, she doesn't eat meat on Monday or she doesn't eat meat for dinner on Monday. Like it's small change, whatever works for you. You don't know that your kids won't be doing the same, right? And also you don't know that, okay, other people may be looking at you. Let's see, maybe a quarter of the population decide to do that. All together, that has a big impact over time. And I think what we need to do as individuals, no matter if you're a student, if you're faculty, staff, or wherever you are in your life, problems, conditions may seem too big for you to tackle, but just very baby steps, small changes have big impacts. And as it relates to food, you know, just focus. Again, the whole idea is not, not to eat meat, is not, not to eat um, animal-based products, but it's just that to really, you know, switch it up a little bit and add more plant-based to your diet and trying to eat and know where your food comes from. A lot of us don't know where our food comes from. Look at your food labels, you know, ask. Um, and you can ask, they should be able to tell you as well. And that's one thing I think that's awesome within the last few years after going to other dietetic programs, I'm able, I'm more vigilant and aware of these things. And I'm able to be like, okay, nope, we're not buying this. It comes from, you know, it traveled too far, you know, and so on. Um, so if there's one takeaway, it's that, is that just know that you as a person can make a difference. And over time that will end up to something great. Need an applause button right here. <laughs> that was great. Uh, that was amazing. Thank you so much. This was great. I learned. I learned a lot. You know, it was a very small amount of time. I did learn a lot. Yeah. Thank you so much, Daphne, for coming to talk with us. Everything you said was really insightful. Like Jazz said, we learned so much today. And yeah, if you just want to tell us, like maybe where we can find you, or like maybe your email, so that if anyone has any questions, if you're comfortable sharing. That's fine. So right now, realistically, I, you know, we are remote. Um, we are not, we are not in the office. And I believe this week will be a year since we've been remote. It's kind of wild. Um, but anyway, I am with the John Hopkins Center for a Livable Future. If you would like to get a hold of me, if you have any more questions, if you, um, I mean, I know I provided some information, I made some statements and you may wonder like, you know, well, does she have, a, you know, the science to back it? Um, if you want articles that talks about, you know, uh, some of those diets, what, what, are, what works, what doesn't work um, or definitions and so on, you can contact me. The best way to do it is by email. And that's D-A-L-T-E-M-A, the number one at jhu.edu. So again, it's D. A-L-T-E-M-A-1 at J-H-U dot E-D-U. Um, so if you have any questions, I welcome it. Um, we have a lot of resources as well on our website, um, the CLF website, and I have to find it. What is, um, uh, let me see. Actually, if you go to CLF dot John Hopkins School of Public Health, J-H-S-P-H dot E-D-U, um, you actually can find a whole lot of information um, about, you know, again, what is the Center for the Future, projects we're working on, some viewpoints, some stories, um, just a whole lot of things about the food system. So if you want more information about what the center do, again, the, the website for that is clf.jhu.edu. Um, 
jhsph.edu. Great. Thank you so much. And if you have any links or resources, I'll, and if you send them to me, I'll be happy to put it on like our social media pages for like easy access for our listeners. I think that's all we have for today. We really enjoyed having you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You guys make it a lovely day. Hey everyone. Thank you again for listening to today's episode. Please feel free to reach out to Daphne at her email if you have any questions about what we covered today. She's an incredible and intelligent woman and a great person to get into contact with. In terms of Tiny Green Chats, we release a new episode every Thursday for Tiny Chat Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So follow us, subscribe, and turn on the notification bell to stay updated with the latest news and information regarding the environment. We are at Tiny Green Chat, no S, on Instagram and at Tiny Green Chats everywhere else. Please feel free to email tinygreenchats at gmail.com with any questions or inquiries you may have. Thanks again and see you guys next time.